Welcome to Iron and Ceramite, Librarius Omnis, where we explore the depths of the Black Library. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Librarius Omnis, um, where at the moment we're going through uh, Battle for the Abyss, um, next part in uh, the, the Horus Heresy series. Obviously, we're going through all of them, uh, a grand undertaking, as I'm sure you can agree. Um, and this is uh, up to part three. Um, and uh, I'm joined, of course, by John. And we were just discussing that in each one of these book reviews we've done so far, we always start off optimistic and like, ah, oh, it'll be a one, two parter. <laughs> and they always go on to be three or four. And as, as time has gone on doing this one, it transpires that this is likely to also be a four parter. Um, and the reason being is there's, there's just in every one of these books, there's a lot to unpack. Um, this one obviously is slightly different to the others in that, um, you know, it's, it's very much in the, the mold of a, 80s 90s action uh, action movie um as opposed to maybe the more serious uh serious uh, tones of the earlier books um but for that reason it's, it's quite a nice palate cleanser and it's, it's a lot of fun um so before we we go into a recap on parts one and two uh john is there anything you want to you want to add to that uh no not really i think you hit the nail on the head um it's far, like you said it's fast paced that's why we thought this would be a free part of Max, and then we sat down, just recapped what we thought the next quarter would be. I was like, yeah, yeah there's, no way, there's no way we're doing all of this because, I mean, we could, but we'd miss a lot of fun in this last two parts, like a lot more um, action scenes, monsters to fight, and then obviously yeah. um, some space marines on space marines and stuff. And I think we'd service if we tried to pack it all together, um, and we'd miss. Uh, it would make sense, would it? No, I'm not. Why, why cut it short now? We're, we're nine, eight books in, and we love dragging it out. It's good fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, so, what, on that, before we get into part three, um, we'll do a quick, quick overview of what we've what we've gone through so far in parts one and two. Obviously, you can go back and listen to those beforehand if this is your first first time listening to anything um, from Iron Ceramite. Go back and check those out. Maybe check out some of the other pods as well. It's all yeah. very entertaining. Um, but in, in this one, so in part one, um, we were obviously introduced to the uh, to a couple of the well, all of the ships in play because this is a very nautical um, sort of themed uh, edition, um, and we found that or what was was un, un, unveiled was the Vengeful Abyss, a uh, custom Mechanicum built uh, battle barge, uh, the likes of which had never been seen before. Obviously built in secret for the word bearers. Um, for their their treachery, or what would go on to be revealed as treachery, and in the opening the opening parts, they 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 take out um, an ultramarine ship, um, Glory of McCrag or the Fist of McCrag, Fist of McCrag, um, wiping out um, what what would effectively these days be a chapter of, uh, of ultramarines, but I think it's a thousand that ultramarines get uh, get wiped out, um, and they are then set upon, they are chased. Um, by a ragtag um, fleet that goes after them in the first part, that that fleet is is pretty much destroyed, um, and the the last remaining ship, the uh, the Rothful, um, gives chase as the Vengeful Abyss heads um, onto McCrag or what we believe to be McCrag to to lay waste to the to the Ultramarines' homeworld. Um, there's a there's a, 
as I said, a ragtag bunch of Marines that are, that are on this, in this fleet. So there's uh, an Ultramarines uh, Honor Guard um, led by uh, Cestus, who's uh, commander of the 7th Company. Um, and he um, commandeers um, Rear Admiral Kaminska's ship, the Ruffle, from the Saturnine fleet. Um, and then, you know, there's a bit of bit of tension between those two, um, as obviously she doesn't like her ship being commandeered. And they uh, they 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 engage and then give chase. Um, but also, you have um, Skrull and his World Eaters. I think they've got about twenty. Uh, and likewise, you've also got uh, Bringar and his uh, Blood Claws, also of about twenty. So I think there's about 50, 50 odd Marines um, all in going after this massive ship. Um, the uh, the vengeful abyss, and then we also have uh, Motep, who is uh, has had his own ship at the beginning, uh, the Waning Moon. Um, but by the time we we get to this part where we're reaching now, he is very much alone on board the ship. So that that was part one. We get introduced to this lot, and that we see the first sort of um, opening battles. We understand the power of the vengeful abyss, um, and and you know the, what's actually happening. Then we get into part two. Um, where we get a bit more detail on everything. We get a bit more of the relationship between Kaminska and Cestus, mm-hmm. um, as well as the tensions b- between what are seen as loyalist Marines at this point. Um, we get a bit more information on um, on the word bearers as well and the um, the incredibly ambitious Zadkiel, um, who's, who's definitely not to be crossed uh, as the leader or the commander of the Furious Abyss. Um, who, who definitely, you know, he he's he is wary of everyone under his command, even those that are very apt, um, because he will he will happily send them to their deaths if he thinks they're um, that they're encroaching upon his 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 power and his command, um, and and we see that come up in in this particular section. Um, as I said, the chase continues. There's a bit of um, warp shenanigans um, early on. Um, with one of the old crews from uh, from one of the other destroyed ships um, coming back by a bird. Anyway, they, they come back and um, there's there's all sorts of warp shenanigans going on. There's a bit of tension between Motep and uh, Bringar. Um, Bringar obviously does not, as a space wolf, does not like the witch um, as he sees it. Motep, um, likewise, doesn't, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of love lost there. So... There's, there's a lot of tension happening there and it all comes to a bit of a head where they, they finally realise that the, uh, the vengeful abyss has to set down um, in the uh, spaceport or the, the, the shipyards of um, Baccarat? Yeah, I think we just called it the Bacca docks, didn't we? In the the Bacca docks, that's it. <laughs> Bacca triumphant. Um, so they, they, the, the Bacca docks, um, because of one of the, the shots that I believe uh, Motep managed to do before the waning moon um, was destroyed, um, was they knocked out some cooling, um, which means that the Furious Abyss has had to have a um, un, an unplanned stop um, at the back of Dockyard. Um, and whilst this has been happening, um, the Ultramarines or the, our ragtag group have launched a or launched a uh, audacious bid to try and take the ship out. Um, whilst it was docked, um, and um, we we kind of pick the action up. Um, we realise what what's happened is right at the end of the second part is scroll um, and Tegis and Tegis um, and a couple of the other um, honor guard um, 
have managed to get on board the. Uh, oh no, it's just it, it's just scroll. Oh, it's a, uh, it's scroll a, on a couple of world eaters. It's the world eaters, and yeah. and she just get get on board the uh, the furious abyss. Um, Bringar is unable to get across uh, the melee, the battlefield, um, but he does manage to take a prisoner, um, who is who is the word bearer Altus, um, which we find out very shortly, um, and he he drags him on back on board the raffle to uh, to try and obviously get some information from him, and mm. we're left with um, Antigius and Skrull and the the, work, the the other world eaters fighting their way through the uh, the, the furious abyss, but a, a very losing battle. Yeah. Um, with um, unfortunately Antigius um, being mortally wounded, and Skrull um, you're deciding he's going to continue to fight on and try and find a way of, of causing more damage to the ship, knowing that uh, this is this this will be his last yeah. engagement. And that's that's where we get to now, I believe. That's it, yeah. So that brings us into the third part of our story now, chapter eleven, uh, survivors, aftermath, and I will break him. Uh, so as you said, uh, Everyone's a bit scattered now. Cestus is still on board the raffle, waiting for all the survivors to return. Um, out of three battle boats that deployed, only one has returned. Um, and as it docks and the doors open, Bringar and the Blood Claws emerge. <clears throat> and uh, Cestus approaches and says, well met, son of Russ, to which uh, Bringar just grunts, barges past him and walks off. And the Blood Claws bring out a prisoner bound in chains. Uh, wearing the armour of the word bearers. Uh, he's then directed down to the isolation cells and Brengar says that he's going to find out all of his secrets. Um, and they space, the Space Wolves walk past the Ultramarine um, and completely ignore him. Um, and Cestus even shouts at him to try and get an answer. Um, but uh, uh, Brengar's sick of him, not, not, not playing ball. Yeah. Um, so essentially, like the the assault failed, the assault failed. Um, the furious abyss still lives, and that is the only report that he's going to get from Space Wolves. Um, and obviously, he gets told that a couple of them managed to get on, but we're not we're not sure if they're still alive. Yeah. Um, and they march off. So Sisters grabs his apothecary, and they follow behind uh, the Space Wolves and uh, Altis, um, <clears throat> and. Sisters knows that Bringar is going to be torturing the word bearer. Um, and for a moment, he thinks about stopping him because the idea of a battle brother being mutilated doesn't appeal to him. Uh, he's still an ultramarine, um, but quickly realizes that um, this isn't a battle brother. This is an enemy that they're dealing with um, and holds back. Um, on arrival, um, there's a blood claw guarding the cell door um, and the blood claw hesitates for a minute, but then backs down and, and lets Cestus in. Um, so the tension between the two parties is definitely definitely there. Um, and they let him in, and Cestus goes in to find Bringar completely stripped out of his armour, just in his like his underrobes, uh, lent over the um, the word bearer. Um, and Bringar snaps him and demands to know what he wants. And Cestus says, "I'm going to speak with you." Um, and then realising sort of the mood of uh, Bringar backs back a little bit and says, once this is over, I want to know everything. And uh, and steps steps back. Um, so Bringar relaxes with that and says, look, I'm going to break this prisoner. 
Um, and Sister says, okay. And then a peace offering says, you can keep the uh, apothecary with you um, to help you out. And uh, the apothecary is not too keen, um, but does as he's told, because um, obviously he's ultramarine and this is sort of, um, what, what do they call it? It's like um, uh, savage behaviour. Yeah. So they're not kin to. Um, and uh, yeah, with that, so Cestus leaves them to uh, to break him. <laughs> um, so the Abyss has a head start on the raffle. It's jumped into the warp um, and the raffle sort of now everyone's back on board, um, gets into position, jumps back in in an attempt to follow and catch up. Um, on the Furious Abyss, Zadkill, he's in the morgue, um, looking over the bodies of the fallen word bearers as they're laid out and obviously waiting for the gene seed to be harvested. Um, and Rizkal enters um, whilst he's praying and asks about uh, Balanos and Altis. Mm. Uh, and basically is told Balanos isn't dead. He's severely injured and he's not going to recover, but um, we'll find a use for him yet. Um, and Rizkal will take his, chain, uh, take his place in command. Uh, and then he's told that Altis died on the docks. Um, Reskill's still in a bit of a state though from his encounter with uh, Skrull um, he's lost one of his hands and the side of his skull was fractured um, mm-hmm. where he took a, I think it was the axe to the face um, and now he's had a bit of surgery and he's got a, a metal plate on the side of his head now so uh, he's he's just as handsome as he was before <laughs> um, and Reskill suggests look why don't we take this opportunity to turn the raffles following us we could turn around and destroy it but um zadkill for some reason that we've um, seen time and time again is like nah we're just going to keep going that's a waste of time they're not worth our our time even though like clearly like they've not um trumped them every time they thought they had because they had to stop at the docks but he's still uh, got a big head and they're going to keep on and uh, and ignore them yep. um and Zadkill orders Reskill to go find the World Eater and, and kill him. Um, and once he's left, um, one of the um, um, Magos from the Mechanicum emerges from the shadows and said they have received Balanos. Uh, and Zadkill tells him to begin the rebirth. Um, and we'll find out a bit more about that later on. Um, Cestus returns to the holding cell um, back on the raffle and he gets no resistance from the blood core this time. And when he goes in, the apothecary is looking um, quite pale um, and stood, stood to the side. And Ringai is absolutely like covered in blood. Um, the word bearer is a complete mess. I think there's like blood sprayed all over the ceiling. and It's just like, it looks like a butcher shop. It's a pretty grim sight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they say basically like, Bringars give it his all, but this guy hasn't broken. He's not said a single word. He's not even given us his name. Uh, and Cestus decides the only option now is uh, to release Moteb and get him to help. And the only response he gets from Bringar is an angry roar um, because that's how mature adults speak to each other. <laughs> they just growl at each other. <laughs> um, so Moseb, he has been sat meditating the entire time in his lockup, um, but he has been following the events in his mind um, and he's not surprised when Sisters enters. Um, Sisters like, tells him the interrogation failed and he wants to use whatever power Moseb possesses to find out um, what and how the word bearers plan to do. 
um, obviously desperate now. Um, Motep tells him that um, the word bearers have made a deal with chaos mm-hmm. um, and were warned by those who dwell in the warp um, that, that um, they, they're protected by those that dwell in the warp. And uh, Cestus is shocked and trying to understand, like, what, what's he talking about? Because we, we've come across it a few times now, but for yep. these guys, living creatures in the warp doesn't exist. Um, no, it's like um, unheard of. And he saw this like, well, if, if the word bearers know this, surely like, do the Primarchs know? Do, do our Primarchs know? Uh, and most of it tells them that it's complicated, but um, I promised I'll fight alongside you and I'll just do what you need to do and, and we can figure it out later. Uh, and he said, um, what does Bringar think of me, me getting involved? And Sister says, don't worry about it. That's that's my job to, to deal with. Um, so Sestus goes to the holding cell with Motep and Bringar storms out in disgust. Um, and Motep says, once I go inside and it begins, don't come in no matter what you see or hear. Yeah. Um, and Sestus warns him, if he sees anything he doesn't like, then you'll be killed on the spot. Um and I think, like, at this point, it's like, Cestus doesn't really know what he's doing anymore. He doesn't. Uh, it's all just, a bit out of control. Yeah. And he's just like, well, we'll see where he goes. I think like, that threat to Motib, he doesn't know what he's going to see. Like, he, he's not, it's, it's such an empty threat, but he's desperate. And he's got to look like he's in command. Um, I guess trying to try, salvage some relationship with the Space Wolves. Yeah, I think it's a tough one for him, is it? Because he knows, like underpinning all of this is the fact that he has seen a vision of McCrag yeah. and he needs to know this plan and but he can't admit to a you know be believing in a vision because then he is he's a witch. Yep. Um and yeah it, it's it's this desperation that he needs to know because it's his home world. But at the same time in knowing and being proven right then He's he's potentially going against the uh, the council of Nikea and and everything that it stands for and uh, you know if it, if it's been Bringar's Bringar's way he he Motip would probably be dead by now anyway yeah um, but Bringar isn't right in this instance they do need psychic help definitely because uh, what, what what else are they going to do other than following behind they, yeah they, they've got no no plans. Um, obviously, their attack didn't work. They're, they've got even less numbers now, so just uh, make what um, make best of the tools they've got. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So uh, with that, Motep enters the cell and gets to have a look at the uh, new redecoration, and um, he stands by Altis's head and says, "You can't hide from me." Places his hands on his head, and that is when the screaming begins. Um, and that will push us into chapter 12, Sirens, Screams and Silence, and Here Be Monsters. Um, outside the chamber, the Ultramarines are watching and they're sickened by just the, the screams coming out. They're unhuman-like um, and Cestus has to resist the urge to put a stop to it. And he has to warn off his own battle brothers a few times. Um, after a while, um, Safrax calls him on the Vox, telling him to come to the bridge because they're under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, several projectiles were released from the abyss. Um, first, they were believed to be torpedoes, but their movement shows that they are uh, actually living creatures or sirens. Um, Kaminska was shocked, stating they thought that these things were just a myth. 
um, knowing that they can't avoid this collision course, Cestus has the honor guard assemble on this back on the assembly deck uh, and try and figure out how they're going to fight off these warp creatures coming towards them. So Brinsk is obviously um, a spacefaring um, captain her whole life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think we find out how old she is. I don't know if she's... They, they talk about the she's had like loads of um, rejuvenation and right. like things and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, it's one of those, I think she's going to have that a long, long life. Yeah. She's not, we know she's not void born, so she's not always lived in the void, no. but she's definitely, as part of the Saturnine fleet, like they are very, um, I suppose, nautical in, yeah. in their, out, their outlook. Yeah. And so, and like, so she's been in ha- countless battles, been all over the place. And like you say, the, these warp creatures are just myths of like sailors, like the same on, on, uh, when they say that, like the Loch Ness monster or things floating about, giant kraken. Yeah, the kraken, that sort of thing. So now, obviously, it's like the equivalent of these things coming towards you in space is just as uh, terrifying. Um, and um, as we've already sort of covered, um, the warp is like unconceivable to a normal man. If you look into the warp, it will turn you insane. Yeah. Um, the only people that can look at it are specialist mutants who have this uh, third eye. Um, and even they can't describe what they're seeing. It's like just noise, colour, like any, you're overloaded with like emotion and, and all your senses are overloaded. Um, and that's what essentially the warp is. Um, but the best description we get of these creatures are they're um, like shark like creatures, completely mm. covered in eyes. Um, and although they seem like they're coming in a straight line, they're actually coming from all directions at the same time. Uh, different times, space, all sorts of uh, yeah. weird descriptions. Yeah. Um, and they even change shape on the way. Like they go from having wings, uh, claws and fangs, but they're constantly shifting. The only thing that remains is the eyes. Mm. Um, and these creatures feed on scraps of emotion, um, powerful enough to find themselves in, even in the warp. Um, they can't sense the souls on the raffle um, and are hunting for a way in. For, uh, but the Geller Field is what's stopping them from bursting on board until uh, one of the creatures discovers a particularly weak and vulnerable soul. And mm-hmm. that is their gateway in. Um, on the ordnance deck, um, one of the workers, or what they're called is, uh, gangers, is mm-hmm. working on the laser system and he plummets off a railing uh, and crumples down onto the floor. And the ganger boss... Um, is pretty not not bothered by this because people fall off and die all the time. It's not very <laughs> sympathetic. He's like, it's just another problem. Like, it's like, oh, now we're going to have to replace him. Yeah, it's like, oh, someone's died, but it's more of an inconvenience to him because now yeah. he's got to do paperwork. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so he goes over, like, ready to get this body ditched out of the way. Um, and as he gets there, he realizes this guy's still alive. And that's even more annoying because yeah. now he's not got a death to sign off. He's got a severe injury <laughs> and this he, is going to cost him time and effort getting him off the deck. Even harder to deal with. So yeah. it's like he's even more inconvenienced that this person, because now he's got, a, he's got to at least, he, he almost wished he died because yeah. then he wouldn't have to take him to Medbay. Yeah. Um, and now he's probably just going to wish he was a little bit more sympathetic because uh, the body starts like writhing on the spot Um in a really uh, unnatural way, bones are cracking and crunching and it sort of moves back into a standing position and then its lower body like splits in half at the groin and, and rips itself up, causing a huge arch. Um, and then somehow like in between this black, 
like nothingness appears um and through like this twisted darkness a predator pushes its way through yeah so like i don't know if he was annoyed that one of his workers was dead like <laughs> i don't know how he's going to feel when this thing reaches out and rips his face off i think he's yeah he's, he's probably changed his mind quite considerably yeah. based on you know I, I can only imagine the total terror that's probably overtaken him in, in the face of seeing this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Cestus and a fully armed honor guard arrive at the lance deck uh, a little bit too late, and they're stopped in their tracks um, by the sheer horror of what they're seeing, uh, described as like a living hell. Yeah. Um, and it even like causes Cestus to briefly like doubt whether the imperial truth is a lie, um, and like all these suppressed religious types may actually have a point. Um, <laughs> but he, he crushes the fault um, because that's um, heresy and uh, yeah. gets to work. Um, and like the bay is like absolutely just like covered in flesh and blood. Um, skin has been layered over everything as, as if like it's being used as a dust sheet. Um, and like those left alive are swarming in a massive flesh, like tearing into each other. Um, and, the um above this like bloody orgy is like a black twisted spectre um manipulating the living into more twisted horrors um i think as we saw with like the fire blade it's like ghostly tentacles reaching into stuff like uh, a horrible puppet show um so cestus gives the order um and the honor guard open fire yeah and then the sheer volume of bullets and explosives are enough to start breaking the connection the beast has on the corpses uh, which roars in anger, revealing rows of razor-sharp teeth um, and a long spear-like tongue, uh, which lashes out, spearing one of the Ultramarines through the chest. Um, Is it the dude with the heavy bolter? Is he the one that gets speared? I know, because it, it, they've got some. Uh, they've got the flamer guy here as well, haven't they? Yeah, there's a few... Um, uh, yeah, I, I think the first one who goes is unnamed Ultramarine number six. <laughs> uh, uh, but... Um, yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. So yeah. So essentially, like this guy gets it through the chest. Whatever, whatever weapon he had, it didn't really matter in the end. Um, no. And uh, Cestus says, gives the order. He's like, "Let's burn this thing." Um, and the marine with the uh, heavy flamer um, steps forward, immolating. We learned that word in Legion. Um, <laughs> the creature in fire, causing it to scream in agony and back off. Um, the space wolves hear the alerts and make their way to the scene. Uh, strange that they weren't there in the first place or or called upon in the first place, like just showing like the tension where they, even though they've got this monster coming on board again, yeah, well, well we will handle it without them. I don't know what I mean, it might have been that they weren't really aware of what they were dealing with, or maybe, yeah, um, but it, even so, yeah, you would have thought that they would have been like, you know, at least put them on notice, like we're gonna go and check this out, I mean, we, might, we might need you. After the events with the Fireblade, if I had 10 Ultramarines or 20 Ultramarines, I'd be walking around in a conga line. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't split <laughs> up. Like, you know, like, what's the point? Like, I'd be terrified. <laughs> like, if one of these ghost things come back on, like, I don't want to be on my own or out, outnumbered. You just take everything. They, they know no fear. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, and that's why that guy got speared through the chest. This is true. This yeah. is true. Um, so, anyway... Space Wolves arrive, and even they're unprepared, and, and they're shocked. Um, and Bringai, again, 
stopped in his tracks and feels um, a chill down his spine and thinks maybe that is the first time he's ever felt fear. Mm. Um, but again, forgets that quickly and charges in with his men. Um, back at the holding cell, Motem staggers out, um, having broken the word bearer and gaining his name. We know now that is Altis, who's been left behind on the bench, gibbering a broken wreck. Uh, exhausted from his efforts, um, he is absolutely like mortified as he feels this warp spawn presence on board, hmm. um, and he makes his way to um, the laser deck to to weigh in and help. Um, uh, the guy with the flamer he gets taken out um, by the warp spawn, um, and another ultramarine gets wounded, um, and the apothecary runs down. Um, and kneels and starts treating the guy that's been been injured. Yeah. Uh, and now Cestus is shooting at multiple creatures as more have started to appear. Um, one goes to impale him, but Cestus is man- manages to dive out of the way. Um, and unfortunately, the apothecary takes the brunt of it. Um, and as this um, like tongue is inserted into him, it inserts these eggs into him, which burst inside him, and these horrible. Um, Plague flies essentially um, burst out with razor sharp wings that decimate this guy into uh, mincemate. Cestus yeah. um, is able to shoot these flies and kill them before they can get to anybody else. Um, the two creatures now are wrecking the ultramarines and and space wolves. Ammo is running low, um, and Cestus orders them to form up and concentrate fire. Um, and they pick on one target and they're able to just hear everything, including plasma, um, and they take it out by shooting it through the, the eye or its main eye, uh, and this thing is propelled back out into the warp. Um, but unfortunately, as that happens, um, it's blown into real space, mm-hmm. um, and through that gap, three more creatures take its place. Um, Cestus prepares himself to die, uh, as these spawn leap towards his men. But as they do, a, cr- a bright crimson light appears um, and forces the creatures back. And from behind, Moteb arrives and throws his spear directly into one of the beasts, killing it. Um, Moteb orders them to blind the beasts and all uh, ammo, uh, all bullets are fired at these beasts' eyes until they're able to take them down with the help of um, Moteb's spear and his powers. Um, and at the end... Cestus looks around seeing that he lost two more men. He's got two, two more injured, but everyone else is okay. Um, and Motep tells him that the beasts are gone and collapses. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> so that puts us into chapter 13. And I would say that um, psychic power is not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's helped out. It's, it's definitely at its place, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Bringar needs to uh, hopefully Bringar saw some of that anyway. <laughs> well, I think I think it's in this part anyway that um, I think it's Cestus says it or thinks it or it's it's mentioned at least anyway that the reason the uh, space wolves are the blood claw, but particularly Bringar was doing so well was because his um, axe um, is obviously crafted by the rune priests of Fenris. Yeah. Um, so you know he. As a space wolf, that's not psychic stuff. That's that's the rune priest. That's the uh, you know the 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 uh, the readers of the weird. That's not um, that's not psychic power, um, <laughs> but it actually is. So he's using a psychic weapon, and that's why he was so successful. But yeah. because he doesn't see it as 
psychic, then that's okay. But <laughs> Motep is very psychic, so we that's are. not cool. We've got a different name for it. Yeah, we don't like exactly. your name for it. Yeah, yeah it, it's you know these are rune priests that you know they uh, you know they're fancy weathermen. Like you know that's that's what they do. They they do you know some wind and hurricanes and stuff like that. And they carve yeah. a couple of runes onto <laughs> something and you you're laughing. Yeah. Um, cool. So chapter thirteen: the legacy of Lorgar, proposition and honor jewel. Mm. So, on the furious abyss, Scrow is now the lone survivor. Uh, he's managed to get away from the word bearers and has found his way into some old abandoned parts of the ship from its early construction. Um, so these would be like um, where the crew were sort of living and building out around them. So he yep. finds like a bit of a, a torn down uh, shantytown um, that's been abandoned. Um, he stops and has a bit of a think about what's been going on and thinks of uh, Antigius and although he's not particularly a fan of the ultramarines because they're more interested in like in his opinion forging their own empire yeah he's actually like impressed with antigius how he embraced his death um and died essentially a hero and stops for a minute's silence honoring and swearing revenge for him mm-hmm. um, and he's eager to get on with it and put these melter grenades to good use um, and eventually he comes out into a um, old sort of place of worship um, where he finds endless carvings and tapestries depicting uh, Lorgar's arrival on his home planet of Colchis um, and images depicting him conquering this ruined planet prior to the emperor's arrival. Um, and as he's sort of wandering around and getting ready to move on, um, a vo- the Vox comes to life over Tanoi. Uh, and Zadkil tells him that he, um, that Scrow is now looking at the soul of the Legion. Uh, he introduces himself and welcomes Scrow aboard his ship. Scrow asks <laughs> um, why this tra- traitorous Legion is hiding behind words. Um, and uh, Zadkil questions, saying, why do you think we're traitors? We've always been loyal to our Primarch. Uh, and Scrow calls Lor- Lorgar the traitor. Uh, and Sadkil says, well, your own Primarch calls him a brother, so how could he be a traitor to you? Um, and Scrow tells him that Lorgar has even betrayed Angron because Scrow hasn't been around uh, Angron and doesn't know what's been going on elsewhere. Um, he's not aware of the wider heresy, as we well all know. So in his eyes, only the word bearers have turned. Um, and Zadkil tells him now that Angron was always a slave and resents what has become of him and the word bearers share this anger uh, and call him brother. Um, and uh, Zadkil sees like um, the, the world eater um, rage echoing from Angron into um, the rest of his legion because of the, the slaughter back on the back of docks um, and compares and says that you're not too different from your Primarch. So you must understand like why he would, if he's happy to team with us, then you should be. Um, and Scrow actually is a bit shocked because he thought that was just a little secret. He didn't realise that uh, anybody saw him killing the innocent people. Um, that was just like his way of getting the blood lost up and probably thinks maybe that that's, could be what gave the game away. Um, but anyway, like we're, we're past that now. Scrow doesn't yep. care. Um, Zadkill keeps piling it on, telling him, look, other legions have always been taking advantage of Angron. He's always been used to clear the way 
um, and fight the battles for other Primarchs to step in and take the reward. And uh, the world eaters have always been suppressed. Um, the same as the word bearers, we wanted to worship him as the emperor as a god, but yep. he mocked us and banned us from free speech. Um, and instead of actually like resonating with Scrow, he reacts by smashing up some statue with his axe. Um, and as he's like swinging around, he looks into a big display case, and inside is a huge axe called Brazen Tooth, um, which is actually his Primarch's axe. Um, and this has been used to conquer worlds and is wrapped in the, the skin of like a great Xenos beast, which he killed with it. Um, and it's apparent that Angon has gift, gifted this to Lorgar as yeah. a sign of allegiance to his cause, which um, shakes like, Scrow to his core. Um, but instead of thinking about it, like his reaction, he tells Zadkil that he talks too much, smashes this cabinet, picking up Brazen Tooth, which is far too big for him to reasonably be able to hold, yeah. um, turns the power axe on and hurls it through a wall, um, smashing and creating a brand new way out. Um, and he screams that Zadkil's treachery will be discovered by the Emperor and he will be punished when the War Master is sent after him. He jumps into the hole, down into a web of cables and machinery, um, followed by the echo of Zadkil's laughter. Or old scroll. No, his, his, his world has just been like, Turned upside down. The thing is, it's like you know, he's saying also like the the war master is going to come after you and stuff like this. And you know, old Zadkiel was like, no, I don't think he will. (laughs) And that's it. Like we said, like he's still loyal. Like he's got the choice. And we saw um, back in the earlier books, there were there were loyal world eaters that was quite happy to smash through. So there's a good chance that maybe Scrow would have been one of those. Yeah, as I said, they they had to purge what nearly half their uh, legions yeah um for uh what's it terran born astartes and loyalist astartes so mm-hmm. you know very very true scroll may have been may have been there although the world eaters definitely seem like a chapter that follows their uh their primarch to they don't they're not well this comes up later in this but they're not known for their strategic input <laughs> no, they definitely uh swing the axe first ask questions later yeah or just kill the innocents on the way to a battle, why not? Indeed, yeah. yeah. Get, get some of the bloodlust up by <laughs> slaughtering some just some porters. The dude was just loading luggage. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, so um, Scrow makes his escape from here, um, and Zadkil turns to his chaplain Ikfalon um, and says, "Are we ready?" And, and says yes. So on the floor is a circle made from the soil of Colchis mixed with the blood drained from Antigius' body. Uh, the corpse lays next to it with the chest torn open with symbols marked out in his blood around the body. Um, an astropath arrives and Zedkil tells him to do what he needs to do. Um, they've removed the scalp ready for him uh, and promises the remains will be for the chaplain to use later. Uh, Zadkil gives the astropath a look, a book, uh, and he skims his fingers across it, um, and he's amazed like by the secrets that are contained within mm. this. Uh, this book was written by Zadkil himself, um, and the astropath asks him, "Who told you the secrets that you've written in this book?" Uh, and we find out it's an entity called uh, Zorik, yeah. um, and they're going to honour this pact they finally made with him. Um, Back on the raffle, once the dead have been taken to the morgue, repairs are underway 
um, and Cestus is standing over Motep in the med bay, who has been unconscious um, ever since he fell down. And now the dilemma he has to face is Motep saved them twice, but he's used magic to do it. Magic is bad. We don't like magic. Um, But magic has saved them and has kept them on point to saving McCrag. Uh, and he's also got a very angry, uh, hairy space wolf um, prowling around the ship. Um, the word, word bearer has been broken. His secrets are out. Um, but now the secrets are trapped in Motep's head. Um, but before he can sort of make any decisions, Bringar growls and says, on Fenris, we cut the ten- tendons in the arms and legs of witches and throw them into the sea. Uh, and Cestus tells him that this isn't Fenris. Oh, on Fenris, yeah. <laughs> A bit of a Buzz and Woody moment there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, Ringar tells him that because of what uh, Cestus has been doing, like his honour has been besmirched twice and he's not going to stand for it. Yeah. Um, tearing a rune from his armour and throwing it at Cestus's feet. Challenge accepted. Um, so Bringar, then late, later, Bringar is waiting in a training pit in nothing but his training robes uh, with his chain axe in hand. Uh, Cestus arrives wearing the same gear uh, and they're both in the colours of their own legion. The surviving Astartes are gathered solemnly watching and the only non-Astartes present is Kaminska. Uh, And once both captains stand in the pit, uh, Safrax steps forward and announces the duel uh, and says, this honour duel is between um, Cestus of the Ultramarines and Bringar of the Space Wolves. The weapon is chain swords, and the duel is to blood from the torso or incapacitation. Uh, Lim and Ilos counts as thus, as does a cut to the foot, the, the front of the throat. Yeah. Uh, no firearms and no armor, and obviously, not it's not to the death. Um, so the stakes are for the fate of Captain Motep of the Thousand Sons Legion, um, which is strange because obviously, if Motep, uh, if um, Cestus wins, like obviously Motep will be safe and they'll get the secrets out of him. Yeah. If Bringar wins, he's just going to kill him. Like and like everything they've done so far is a bit of a wash. Yeah. Although you know Bringar might try and break him first and get the information out of him like you know he might just kill him but he might yeah. be like we're gonna we're gonna find out what you know and then we're gonna yeah then we're gonna kill you it didn't work too well with Altis, so did it it's it's no it's not gonna either way bringar's plan is not gonna come off well <laughs> no. he needs to calm down and go for a walk yeah um anyway so they're told to uh go to arms and um they're both actually like still worn out from this whole mission so far, and obviously yeah. they've just been fighting warp spawn. Um, but they're ultra, they're, well, they're ultra in their space marines, um, mm-hmm. so they are obviously superhuman, uh, and they're ready to do this. Um, Bringar starts off by launching into a powerful shoulder barge. Uh, Cestus tries to move out the way and twist up um, to avoid it, but he's too slow. Uh, takes a glancing but painful blow and manages to keep his feet. Um, Cestus has to stay on the defence because Bringar just is smashing powerful blow after blow towards him um, and as they're um, getting close to the um, the edge of the pit, Cestus goes for an early end, aiming a sweep at uh, Bringar's torso but he uh, manages to deflect it and aims a sweeping arc um, back and actually that would have taken off Cestus's head if he hadn't moved in time mm. so at this point Bringar's just like, he's just seeing red now he, like 
almost Cestus is fighting for blood and um, survival now. It, yeah, old Bringard's gone a bit feral. Yeah, and the thing is, if he if if Bringard does kill him, all right, the Ultramarines probably aren't going to be too keen, but they're not going to be able to do too much. Um, no, no, this is all you know. This this, this is all allowed. Unprecedented times. Um, so he um, he swings this this uh, killing blow, which misses. Uh, and lands on the floor that smashes uh, his power sword. So he tosses it aside, lunge in, um, and throws a powerful uppercut into Cestus' jaw um, and then punches him in the side of the head, hitting him in the ear. He's um, kicking the crap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gets him again, like basically knocks him on his ass, um, w- wins him, um, and like Cestus comes to and realizes that Bringar's on top of him, choking him out. Yeah. Um, and Luckily, he's able to like bash his forearms up, um, knocking his wrists away, and then knees him in the sternum, um, managing to get his grip loosened, and then headbutts him in the face to roll out the way, um, avoiding like more powerful blows. Like Cestus is trying to get his bearings back and trying to stop himself from blacking out because um, he's obviously just had like the sides of his head caved in, um, and. Uh, he wasn't avoid to like, uh, he's not able to avoid a big backhand from Bringar, which sends him flying. Um, and as he's about to pass out, he, he just breathes a word, uh, yield, and Bringar freezes, fist clench, coming towards him, panting hard. Uh, and Cestus is pointing at him, and Bringar looks down and sees there's a thin trail of blood coming out of uh, his stomach, where, and Cestus is holding a small knife in his hand. Um, uh, he's, he's holding one of the um, uh, teeth. From the uh, the broken chainsword. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. So um, it's declared blood from the torso. Cestus wins. It doesn't look like he's won. <laughs> Sounds like a technicality to me. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> he just got lucky. Um, so it's almost like um, the gene scene or the gene floor of the space wolves has been affected by like some of this dodgy space travel. Perfect. The field's been affected a few times. Uh, and it sort of feels like the the wolfen's coming out in him. Yeah, he's he's going a little bit feral. I mean, yeah. that's that at least that's that's what we're being led to believe. Yeah, definitely. Um, because I think he went a little bit too far, and although he managed, like, he got yield, and he did, and he stopped. He so. snapped out of it. Yeah, he yeah. still, and he he does. Um, I said we'll come on to it in a minute. He he still honours the result. He still honours the you know the duel. Would he would he have gone too far? Don't know, but he did stop. So it's clearly still got some, you know, even in the middle of the battle, he's still got some grip on his uh, his faculties. Yeah. Uh, so with with the end of that duel, that puts us into chapter fourteen. Uh, hunted a single blow, and we are all alone. Um, so time is always shifting in the warp. Scrow doesn't know if he's been on the run for hours or weeks. He's been crawling through dark, forgotten passageways in the depths of the abyss, uh, keeping out of sight of the infrequent workers he comes across, always um, staying to the shadows, working on devising a plan on how to exact his revenge, cause enough damage to make a difference or take this ship out. Mm. Um, He stops in a crawl space for some time and meditates until he feels a presence um, unsure what it is, um, other than sensing a shadow, he he backs away into more darkness. So something's hunting him, but we don't know what. Um, 
Zadkil, he gets a report that the raffle's still on their trail. He's not worried. He's got the ancient creature, Zorik, working with him. And the earlier horrors unleashed on the Ultramarines will be nothing compared to what is to come. Um, he and Rezkil are standing in the chamber of another dead astropath who died whilst translating a message. Um, Zadkil's decoding the message. He scolds, scolds Rezkil for not capturing the, the world eater yet. Um, and then tells him that Corferon is near in Kalf, where the entire Ultramarine Legion is mustering, apart yep. from sev- several detachments um, that aren't there, and they vow to exterminate the Legion in this next attack. Um, back on the raffle, Cestus has spent his time meditating and training, trying to recover from the last battles, and especially the uh, battle uh, and the injuries suffered from Bringar. Um, they've had no sign of the Furious Abyss for some time, um, and things have not been easy, and the tension is only getting worse on board. Um, the laser deck has been sealed off. There's been another 17 deaths. There's a lot um, of good crew. at the moment, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of um, not not very happy crew, and everyone's quite pleased not to go back to the uh, to the, uh, the the what's it called the the battery yep. deck um, because they you know then they don't need the lasers right now anyway. No, and uh, it was very much the inside of. Uh, you know, um, a Hellraiser film or um, <laughs> Event Horizon or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, they definitely don't want to be there. No way. And, like, obviously, like, the warp madness has taken over because they've had, like, suicide, apparent accidents, and apparently there's um, a murder Been a few deaths. still on the loose. <laughs> so, anarchy. Um, anyway, so he, he's lost in thought but brought back to reality. Um, when he gets a painful smack to the side of the head from uh, Safrax and realises that they're actually still mid-spa session and he's just zoned out. Um, and Sisters gives him the signal to stop. Um, and sort of Safrax um, is like concerned like that his captain is distracted because it's not normal. Um, and he says, look, the Emperor will find us through this. Um, just keep your faith and, and we'll make it. Um, and Cestus is thankful, but um, as good as uh, a friend is or a battle brother that Safrax is, he's not as close with him as he was with Antigius, and obviously yeah. worried about what's going on with him at the minute. Um, worried that he's obviously lost him, not knowing that he's dead. Um, and he, he thanks him and says, I've got somewhere to go. Um, elsewhere, Bringer uh, has banished his blood claws back to the barracks, and he's alone in his quarters and uh, drunk. Um, more than his fair share of Wolfsmead. Um, and although it's almost impossible for an Astartes, this guy is absolutely hammered. Cestus <laughs> <laughs> um, walks in and tells him that, that I know what's happened, but I still need your strength. Um, and I need you to abide by the honour jewel. Uh, Bringar agrees, but tells him that, that if, if you cross me again, there won't be an honour jewel to decide anyone's fate. Mm. Um and Cestus leaves, satisfied that Bringar's still in the fight, but feel like um, everything that's happened has cost their friendship. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a bit upset by all of that. Because, yeah. like, Bringar says, like, you want my uh, my courage and my, my sword, um, but you don't want my counsel. Um, like, you're, you're not listening to me. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, we know why he's not listening to him, but obviously that that that's the bit that's besmirched the pride of... Uh, the old warrior and that's yeah. that's what's caused their relationship to now kind of break down yeah and it's happened like obviously like when we first 
introduced to both of them, they were well happy to see each other because they're, yeah. they're, they're old friends from the number of battles. And obviously, you, like we've seen in some of the other books, you go through one war with someone from another legion and that makes you battle brothers. And it's not just something that's said loosely. Even if they don't see each other for 100 years, you've always got that going on. Yeah. Um, like when you, they've got little, the, the, the two halves of a friendship bracelet. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so essentially, like Bringar's thrown his away, um, which is a shame, like because obviously they they take like brotherhood quite seriously. Yeah, uh, and it's another another hardship to get over um, with the treachery of the uh, word bearers. Um, so anyway, Bringar finds another barrel uh, and downs that, slumps on the floor, um, and sort of in a drunken flashback to his trials on Fenri- on Fenris, um, and. Um, I think they call it uh, the the blooding. Yeah, uh, where they're they're left to survive in the icy wilderness uh, and forced to find their way back to the Fang. Yeah, uh, and during his journey, uh, as I think many are, they're stalked by a wolf, and um, and this one sort of approached him um, and never never got too close, um, but was watching him the entire way. Um, and now he's alone, drunk. He's hallucinating. Uh, the same wolf and telling him you're all alone um, and throws down a pistol um, from his past carved from the bones of a great beast that he managed to kill in the mountains so something weird's going on with uh, Bringar now he's he's seeing things that he shouldn't be seeing Uh, he's obviously had too much to drink and the warp is a dangerous place to be Uh, it is especially when you're emotional there's there's a lot of things going on in the warp and uh, yeah we're, we're all alone, very emo. Um, <laughs> poor, poor old, poor old Bringar. Oh, um, I mean, Astartes are pretty emo anyway, aren't they? Like, it's all dad problems. They, oh, yeah, this is true. This is yeah. true. But he's he's definitely encapsulating it right now, like drinking his sorrows away and making outlandish, uh, emotional, grandiose statements about yeah. the uh, the nature of life and uh, being alone. Uh, he's he's one step from painting his room black. I was going to say it's on the cards. <laughs> um, so elsewhere, uh, Motep he's uh, dreaming of wars led by the emperor, um, but he can't make sense of what he's seeing or where they're taking place, uh, um, and everything's confusing. He snaps awake uh, and finds himself back in the isolation chamber. He sees Cestus standing there at the end, and Cestus tells him, "It's good to have you back." Um, Motep is curious why he's in a cell rather than in the med bay, but obviously realizes that no one trusts him anymore. No. Um, Cestus approaches him and asks, What was you able to learn from Altis? Uh, and Motep tells him, I'll show you. Uh, and suddenly leaps up, ramming the palm of his hand onto Cestus's forehead. Um, and into chapter 15 Desecration, Communion, and the Visions of Death. So, coming away from Motep, we go back to Skrull. Uh, yep. He's made his way back up into the depths of the ship, um, back to where he last left Antigius, um, and finds his remains. Uh, the body has been desecrated, uh, and if it wasn't for the Ultramarines' um, insignia, it would be impossible to tell who it was. Um, as he's con- contemplating what to do next, voices and footsteps put him on the alert, and he backs into the shadows. Um, Reskill, Ichthalon and a group of acolytes enter and gather up the remains of the Ultramarine's body and as they leave, Skrull stalks them 
through the halls. Uh, and they finally come out into an atrium uh, where there's like a, a viewing gallery above uh, and they lay the body on a surgical slab in the centre of the room. Yeah. Um, under the orders of the chaplain, the acolytes begin taking apart the corpse of Antigius um, and it fell on questions Reskill as to uh, where the head has gone. Um, and to his annoyance, Reskill tells him that uh, Zorik required the head. Um Obviously, uh, Igfalon's annoyed and voices his displeasure at having to bow to the forces of the warp uh, and Reskill snaps at him and tells him that he should know his place. Uh, Igfalon snaps back, calls him a suck-up to Zadkill. Yeah. Um, kiss ass, um, because we know where everybody stands on this ship. <laughs> um, and as even like, obviously, Zadkill's obviously in charge and he's got his loyal suck-ups who even he doesn't like and then he's got in Iqfalon the people who don't like him but are doing it anyway uh, and then they're all bickering bickering below decks when he's not around so yeah um so yeah so they have a bit of an argument um over that and says look um Reskill um, goes to argue back with him, but Iqfalon tells him to think about the fate of those who are left behind at the back of docks um, under Zadkill's leadership. So obviously, like we were saying, if he doesn't like you, or you're just you're just a, a number to him, really. He doesn't really yeah, care. At all. <clears throat> no. Um, so he's given up his share of the Astartes uh, to and will use the rest of it to divine their path. Um, he looks at and teaches his hand, uh, and asks for more body parts. It's not enough. Um, and the acolyte uses a laser cutter to split open his chest uh, and through the hole pulls out um, the entrails. Uh, and, and sorry, he doesn't pull them out. Igfalon sticks his hand into the hole and is playing with the loose entrails uh, and pulls out some gore, laying it down onto the slab and stares into it. Um, and in a bit like a witch doctor sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and he sort of stares into it for a while uh, and then he's able to sort of divine what's going on and says, McCrag, they suspect nothing. Um, I can't see Kalf, but I can sense that Corferon will be able to forge his own path um, and that Gilliman appears now to be merely a man and not a Primarch. And then he stares deeper into the innards for a moment longer before saying, we are not alone. Reskill whips up his bolter and four word bearers burst in. They spread out and Scrow sneaks through the shadows. He wants to feel rage and he wants to fight, but all he can feel is numb and uh, backs away from this this fight. So um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if we've seen anything like that from anybody before. I don't know if sort of uh, that divination's a, a thing common prior to the heresy? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one because it's obviously he's the chaplain, right? And, you know, various... Scroll says it as well. He's seen, like, various cultures do, you know, different bits and pieces and, you know, various bits of barbarism. And earlier on, um, is it Zadkiel? Like, he, he, you know, obviously one of the... the um, uh, what's it called? Navigators. One of the psychic yeah. navigators who dies, like, he transcribes all of the scrawl of that person left on night in blood and ichor um i think the other thing with the word bearers is is while they've been on this um you know that because they've fallen already right the word bearers already chaotic as soon as they fell they started practicing the old um 
traditions of cultures, and I think that's what this is. So okay. I think it's more to do with that, which comes out in a bit more detail in, uh, I think it's the first heretic, which is coming up. But I think it's more to do with that. So you're right. Okay. Like, we haven't really come, we've definitely not come across Astartes doing any yeah. divination, um, but it's a very chaos thing to do. And I think it's part of the old ways of cultures. Fair enough. I couldn't imagine the emperor ever approving of it. I don't think he's. Yeah, yeah. he's not. He's not keen on it. You can get away with a lot or specific things, but I don't think that's on the list. No, no, no. Can't get your lottery numbers from uh, pulling someone's gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So first heretic. We're not too far away from getting to that as well. Actually, no. We're we're not far off. No. Okay. So we'll hopefully we'll get to that then. Cool. So. Um, as we know, Motep's showing Cestus the way. Um, Cestus is now tumbling through space and floating above one of the moons of McCrag called Formasca. Um, he sees a missile impact on the moon, causing it to explode, sending debris hurtling towards McCrag. He sees something move through the debris towards the planet, releasing deadly gases amongst the population. Um, he sees the ultramarine fleet wiped out by a meteor storm. He sees his Primarch and Legion brothers mustered on Kalf, and then in the heart of an enemy ship, a payload of World Eater virus. He repeatedly calls out Gluon's name until he snaps back to the present. He's staggered by this and hisses at Moteb, asking what he just did to him. And Moteb says, I've showed you the truth. Cestus pulls his pistol out, points it at Motep's head, asks is what you just showed me real. Uh, and Motep tells him that it is. The world, the word bearers do not want to destroy McCrag uh, or Kalf. They want to wipe out the ultramarines and take the planets as their own. Uh, the destruction of Formasca is where it will begin. Um, Stam Sestus lowers his weapon, stares at Motep and asks him, why are you here? Um, and Motep tells him that he's seen the line of fate he knows that his fate lays with this ship, uh, and before he even encountered the Furious Abyss, he knew that he was destined to go to McCrag. Um, his legion, the Thousand Sun, is cursed with a psychic mutation. Magnus has taught them how to harness this, but the Edict of Nikea wounded Magnus like um, any scolding of a father would wound a child. Uh, Motep wants to help fix this um, wound and open the Ultramarine's eyes to the ability uh, of good, of the power of uh, psychic energy, and how they can use it against the enemies of the Imperium. Mm. Estus keeps a stern face and says, you saved us on the lance deck, and you probably did the same when the Fireblade attacked, but your ambition overreaches you. I've stayed Bringar's hand long enough, and I will not do it again. When we make it to McCrag, you will face trial, and if you ever invade my mind again, I will kill you. Motep calls him ignorant, narrow-minded, and they part ways, and that ends chapter 15. Yeah, bit of a tough one, that. Um, <clears throat> you kind of, I feel sorry for, for Motep to a degree. It is in this point that he, he, he mentions that Nikea was never a council, it was a trial, Yeah, um, which I think is widely widely uh, agreed upon, and again, it's the, it's the usual sort of stuff, right? It's you know, you go back to, like, if the Emperor had said what he was up to the entire time, you know, Magnus wouldn't have done what he did. So, you know, hashtag Magnus did nothing wrong uh, comes up again. But 
you know, obviously the Thousand Sons, they're, you know, they're struggling. All of this comes from, like, Lorgar going the way he is is because he, he gets upset that the Emperor won't let him be worshipped. Magnus gets upset that he's not allowed to do his, uh, his, his magic tricks. Mm-hmm. And all of it is, is, you know, the Emperor just said a little bit more, none of this would have happened. But, no. you know, there we go. Or may, maybe it was all supposed to happen. That's the other thing. It's all uh-huh. supposed to have happened. So, yeah, it was a tough one. Like, I think Motep has kind of showed Cestus the way, but Cestus, now with knowing it, also knows, like, you know, this is all very psychically attuned. So, you know, God knows how it's going to end. And the the, the introduction of uh, Famasca as as kind of a staging post or, or the launching point of uh, of whatever's going to go on is... is going to become quite crucial as, as 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 the story goes on yeah yeah that's that's the the key goal now for when we come into part ep- or episode four for us that's going to be the the main sort of what we're going to be orbiting around yeah excuse the pun <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so the mission's not been too successful so far um still we've lost another good chunk of marines um, mostly ultramarines, I think. Um, yeah, I think blood claws. We've got, I think, last count. I don't know. We've, we've probably lost what another three ish of the honor guard. So there's there's probably yeah. six or seven left. Um, yeah. <clears throat> obviously, the world eaters are all gone now, anyway. Yeah. Um, and then you've got another couple of the blood claws. Um, so you're probably maybe they're down to half strength. So there's ten or so of them. Yeah. So there's there's about fifteen. Maybe maybe twenty uh, push marines yeah. left of the original fifty, yeah. um, and so it's 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 definitely not going, not going Cestus's way, because no. he's he's chasing after this ship that he can't catch, um, that is seemingly you know well out in front and is is doing what it needs to do, um, and for whatever reason he just, you know they just can't catch it and they're being harassed by the warp. Um, by unfavorable activity and and you know even by the warps just long term effects on on everyone involved so yeah. it's not it's meandering a bit they're, they're kind of at a point where they're like you know was it everyone's full of doubt was it the right course of action are we actually ever going to get you know to to actually intervene or have any have any real impact on this yeah and in the meantime while all that's going on um the word bearers are doing all sorts of voodoo stuff with corpses and the leftover dead from uh, the back of docks. Something, something is is something very dodgy is going on with the yeah. word bearers, and uh, it's all it's all going to come to a head in the next yeah. part. I think. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, mm. it'd be a very very good uh, thrilling conclusion to, uh, yeah. to 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 the action. Yeah. Um... So for those watching or listening, obviously, as always, we want to know what you think about it. So drop us a comment down below or like come over onto our Facebook page and come talk to us on there. It's a little bit easier. Um, yeah, so look forward to hearing from you guys. Um, so we'll we'll wrap it up, I think. Yeah. Um, do you want to do the honours? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, as, as John mentioned, we're, we're all over social. Um, we're very, uh, very friendly and very happy to have a chat and also listen to any feedback. So obviously you can get us on Instagram um, at, at iron underscore and underscore ceramite. But if you just have a search for it, you'll find it. Also, if you use the hashtag 
um we'll we'll share you on on the on the channel as well and, and on insta um as i said that, that hashtag gets quite a lot of use these days there's a lot of a lot of good stuff on there you can yeah. check out our uh, meager efforts with painting um you know we're all we're all giving it a go we're all learning so come and check out what we're up to uh likewise on facebook again search iron and ceramite we've got the group on there um more than happy to jump in have conversations and there's a, there's a few other guys on there as well that are doing the same thing um likewise twitter again you could search iron and ceramite or we are at iceramite um obviously we're, we're more likely to engage on insta and facebook to be honest but um if you if you if you message us we'll definitely get back um but if it's your channel of choice if it's your social network of choice you can you can obviously follow us there um youtube you can of course search iron and ceramite where you'll not only find um these the librarius omnis where we go for everything um that is the horus heresy um maybe at some point in the future when we're when we're old and gray we might move on to one of the other black library series but that could be could be a way off yet um we also have our, our main podcast which we do um i think it's monthly at the moment isn't it, john we do a monthly one or is it every couple of weeks it's every well it's as and when we can fit it and we try we try and do it every two weeks but Try and try and do it every two weeks. There's but five it, of us, and we all work, so it's, yeah. it's as and when. But we're we're doing all right. But there's there's good stuff on there. We we you know we're we're going through a bit of a faction focus at the moment, so everyone's uh, kind of going through their uh, one of the, one of the factions they're collecting and, and going through a bit of history. Um, so it's a it's a definitely an interesting uh, place to pick up. Um, we've got hobby bashing, um, where you've got a few. Um, Little videos on there with t- hints and tips, what to do, uh, weighted bases, your own wet palette, all very, very good. Um, uh, Tommy, one of, uh, one of our guys, is very good at doing those. Um, so w- maybe the rest of us will one day get through to doing one, but Hobby Bash is always worth a look. Um, and then Archaeotech Assimilation, which is, is definitely getting a bit more content now. I mean, it had, had a few bits beforehand with uh, John. You had your um, Death Guard Marine, Space Marine Heroes yep. box set. Uh, unveiling which was which was really good um but alongside that we've also got a few more discussions now about um some of the stuff that's coming out with warhammer plus so you know follow us for our opinions on that um it's looking good at the moment um i haven't had a chance uh to really look into it too much but it's it's on in in my queue of what to watch um so definitely interested to hear your thoughts and likewise if you uh if you listen to this rather than watch it um, Spotify, Apple, all good, all good podcast services. Again, search Iron and Ceramite. On Twitch, we are also Iron and Ceramite, all one word. Um, you can see John's uh, attempt at playing Space Marine, um, one of the best Warhammer 40k games you can get hold of. Um, and I'm sure we'll do more of it when we, when we get there. Um, then if you really want to help us out, if you want to support us, you want to you know, make this a bit better, want um, my headphone audio quality to go up, you can always sub to us on Patreon um where anything you do give us will will obviously go straight back into the channel likewise um we're affiliated with element games so if you are going to be buying anything for the hobby if you are already you know or got something to look out for use our link um and it just gives us a bit of a kickback i said you're going to be buying it anyway you're going to be getting a good discount you may as well help us out too so give that click and then finally if you are into combat cards, um, obviously the app available on uh, iOS and uh, um, Android. If you are using combat cards, if you do play it, then join our clan um, and 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 see whether or not you can uh, you can take myself and Glenn down, who t- seem to 
to rule the roost at the moment, although Glenn does seem to always pip me at the <laughs> last, which he did he did this month as well. So, yeah. you know, try and take him off, off the top spot. Yeah, man. So if you haven't, t- if you can't tell from all of that, we just want to talk about Warhammer <laughs> as much as we can. So find us, talk to us about Warhammer because uh, it's, it's all we've got going on now. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you in the conclusion in part four. See you next time. As always, we would like to thank you for listening to our Iron and Ceramite podcast. If you liked us, then you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and any other good podcast services. Just remember, in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war.